The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. You ever been in a blackout, Alan? Five, six times a week. What? Five, six times a week? Pretty intense. He's out there just <laughs> downing pints as we ramble on about sobriety in here. Yeah, he probably thinks we're the most boring people in the whole world. <laughs> Hi, Hamish. How are you anyway? I'm not bad, thanks, Vic. I'm it's, very well. It's nice to see you and I really am desperate to know what your Dancing in the Dark challenge was like last week. Well, you couldn't join me, which was a shame because you had this operation. Yes, I had my gallbladder out. I'm an organ missing. Yeah. Yeah. So I went alone and it was absolutely extraordinary. It was in a school gym, so a big basketball court-sized gym, and there was maybe 15 of us. I was I was the only boy that wasn't the eight-year-old kid who was there with the aunts. Um, and I did get dressed up, like we said, in rave gear. Okay, great. And what I realised is a few things. Firstly, is it's almost completely pitch black, but you can sort of see the silhouettes of people. You've got plenty of room because it's a massive room, like I said. I thought I'd released my inhibitions five minutes in. But really, it's not until about the 45-minute mark that you really go for it. So it's like taking drugs. You sort of peak. I thought I was gurning. I felt like I was gurning. I didn't feel drunk, but I felt like I was high for quite a lot of it. It just proves that you don't need alcohol in those situations. That You went somewhere, you danced, you had a brilliant time, you peaked like you would do yep. on, a, on a drug or on anything that was synthetic that you were to put into your body, and you did it with nothing in your body yes. apart from a bottle of water. I and guess. I smiled for an hour. At the beginning, I was thinking, oh, I don't like this song, I do like this song. By the end, I didn't mind what the song was. Yep. At Clown School, we did a lot of, if you feel an instinct to move or do a certain thing with your body, then you would explore it to the extreme. Yep. Same when dancing in the dark. You just, you know, this is a weird dance move, but it feels quite good. I'm going to carry on doing it. No one cares. No one can see. So that was a nice feeling. And I actually think this might be my new favourite way to listen to music. Okay. So I love listening to music in the car because you've got something to see and it's you can hear the music and hear the lyrics. Some people love live gigs. I think live gigs is great if it's a song that you know and it's a band that you know and yeah, you can and it sing along. That's in. fun. But listening to songs that you don't really know in pitch black with none of the distractions of the lights and the smoke machine, just the music and mm. you dancing however you want is 
awesome. Okay, I'm so excited about going with you. Oh, and the girls that run it were so lovely. I said that I need to go again with you. Yeah. I got a photograph. Um, and it's funny, people don't really mingle. I thought maybe we'd chat before or yeah. after. No, people are there to like get the job done. Get the dance it out. Is, it is like going to the gym for the other people there is what I was thinking. They Throwing- want to go there. They want to really go for it for an hour. It's a long time. Like, an hour is a long time. Yeah. If you're sober in the dark, you're not, you know, going to the loo, you're not going to the bar, you are just dancing yeah. full, full on. Um, and yeah, and then people pack up their bags and, and disappear. <laughs> and it's a Tuesday night in a school. It's so random. I genuinely loved it. Okay, it was great. so good. So good. I'll happily go again with you. I've done the silent disco before, which mm-hmm. I think was a is a similar thing, whereas I just felt like in my own head, I could hear the music. I didn't care what anybody thought about me all of a mm. sudden. And I just totally went for it. I'm so glad these challenges are working because it's just proof that you can have fun without booze. It's yeah. exactly what we wanted, Hamish. This is particularly good for anyone that does have a party coming up and they're going to go to it and dance. They're nervous about the dance floor. This is a really nice, soft way to build the confidence that you can dance sober it's called no lights no lycra for everybody i think they run them all over australia so look Mm -hmm. it up absolutely brilliant how's your how is your sobriety going generally hamish i must ask so we are recording this as i drink a non-alcoholic beer which has become more and more frequent i had one yesterday at a restaurant when my the three people i went were all drinking cocktails and i was quite happy with a non-alcoholic beer um so i am enjoying it i did have a challenging day Almost a week ago, it felt like the end of Christmas Day where all of the excitement has happened yeah. and all of the build-up is over and now you've got 364 days until It felt a bit like that. I felt a bit flat. So I, could I, have bought, to... I could have bought you some bubble and squeak to cheer you up. Yeah, that's yeah. that would have done it. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I was really fascinated by this topic this week. So I often talk to my sister Louise about things. She's been on the podcast before. She's 22 years sober now. So she's always good to run the topics by. Um, And she came out with this brilliant story, which I'm going to have to tell you quickly before we start, because it's related to everything we're talking about today. And we're talking about blackouts. And she told me the story of um, somebody that her ex-husband used to know. The morning after this big work event, they had to explain to this guy what had happened to him. He'd woken up, not remembered anything from the night before. And they'd been on this work function and he had kind of disappeared, this mate of theirs. He'd been drinking quite heavily. They all had, all the bosses were there. It was like the big annual get together for the end of the year, big like free bar, big celebration. And the guy had disappeared and they were like, where's he gone? Where's Dave gone? Wherever his name was. Oh, they couldn't find him. couldn't find him. Then they suddenly turned around. They were in a massive Chinese restaurant that has those huge fish tanks where yeah. they keep all the sort of crustaceans and the lobsters big lobsters and, yeah. and stuff. And they turned around and the guy had taken all of his clothes off apart from some really small pants and was swimming in the <sighs> tanks. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, just in his pants and grabbing hold of the lobsters and stuff and waving at his boss. <laughs> if you saw that in a film or TV show, you wouldn't. It would be too far. You like, nah, yeah, that's not real. It's happened. It's a true story. And what were the repercussions? My sister was pretty certain he got sacked. They had to tell him the next day that yeah, that's what had happened. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> By the way, this gosh. is what you were doing. So that's what we're talking about today. I mean, gosh, how embarrassing. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the blackout, why we have them, the dangers, our experiences and how they affect our brains in the moment and in the long term. 
if you're listening to a podcast called Sober Awkward, then it's likely you're interested in finding out about the effects of alcohol. Well, we're hoping so. If, like Hamish and I, you've ever got three sheets to the wind, blackout wasted, and wondered why one minute you're in a London bar ordering tequila shots, and the next you're waking up in a bunk bed in a run-down motel in Madrid with twigs in your hair wearing one shoe then we hope this episode will make you think twice about overdrinking. Yeah, I've been there, Vic. I've gone out with good intentions, then predictably spiralled into oblivion, only to wake up to reels of myself on Instagram doing the Macarena down the high street wearing nothing but my underwear. Hmm. In the moment, I'll look like I'm having fun, but am I really? Am I having fun when I can't remember it? Good question. My mum always says it's been a good night on the tiles if you can't remember it. I used to agree like a nodding dog when she said that quote. I respected her stamina, quite honestly, and her dedication to the cause. But I understand alcohol a little bit more now. I grasp the risks and dangers of partying and not being totally in charge of your actions, which I very often wasn't. Not being compass mentis when roaming the cobbled streets of London town in my youth meant I was vulnerable and perhaps zapping a few brain cells along the way. You might have been taken and carved up by Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I'm not that old, Hamish. Jack the Ripper was a bit before my time. Oh, sorry. The Yorkshire Ripper, (laughs) mind you. Yeah. So today you're getting the sober, awkward guide to what's really happening when you enter the blackout. If you are considering giving up booze, this might get you thinking about your lovely brain. And if you're already sober, then this is going to be yet another reason to stay on track. Yes, I don't have that many brain cells left, Hamish. So I definitely want to take care of the ones that I do have left over from my boozy days. Do they have names? Dave and Tony. Right, just the two of them. Yeah, just two. (laughs) So the science behind this is very fascinating. When I say blackout, I don't mean passing out or losing consciousness. I actually mean the moment you've had one too many flutes of sparkly and you seem to slip into a kind of wide awake coma. It's just after that part of boozing when you feel like you're having the best night of your life and you feel invincible and accept that disastrous top up from a guy holding two jugs of sangria. Boom. Welcome to the void, the space between elation and sleep. So what is a blackout? A blackout is the point of drunkenness where your brain actually becomes incapable of making new memories. But why do our brains go into shutdown when pissed? Well, it can depend on how much you've drunk and how quickly you can tell us about that. Okay, the speed at which drinking occurs is a factor in blackouts. When several alcoholic beverages are consumed in a very short period, the blood alcohol content spikes and this suppresses function in the hippocampus. Neurons in this region of the brain are responsible for turning short-term memories into long-term memories that remain in the person's conscious recall. When alcohol impacts this part of the brain, the events that happen do not get converted to long-term memories and, in a sense, evaporate as if they never occurred. Gosh, isn't that amazing? The brain is pretty incredible. Like The more we do this podcast, the more I learn about our lovely little brains. It just amazes me. And how much we're screwing them. And how much we're (laughs) fucking them over completely. (laughs) Can you tell us about the blood alcohol content there? So binge drinking is defined by the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism as a short period of heavy drinking that raises the blood alcohol content to 0.08 grams per decilitre of blood. This amounts to four drinks for the average woman or five drinks for the average man in less than two hours. When alcohol is consumed at this rate, the brain reacts and the consequences can be hazardous. That's not even that many drinks. No. So therefore, yeah, you're going into a blackout quite early, more than earlier than you realise, actually. I wonder how many drinks you have to neck before the blackout, Hamish? I'm a lightweight, so really one or two, but I reckon 
realistically three strong ones would do it for me. So I'm definitely below average. But yeah, when I was at Newcastle, they had these trebles bars. So have you heard of these trebles bars? A trebles bar, it would be three treble vodka Red Bulls. So nine shots for four pounds. Whoa. Four pounds. And everyone said, oh, over the course of university, you can get up to six and then 12. You can keep doing them. I never had more than three. And I never remember the walk from the trebles bar to the nightclub. Oh, so Not you once. managed to even get to the nightclub, I'm surprised by. Yeah. And then the, the nightclub was one pound Jaeger bombs. Oh, so you'd have 10 shots by the time you'd got to the nightclub. That is killer, isn't it? Insane. I don't remember much of my time at university, not that I was there very long, because I had the I had the Luton record for downing a pint of Snake Bite and Black, which is just this <laughs> cider and beer and Ribena yeah. <laughs> for the quickest in Luton. Yeah. Which was how many seconds? It was like two seconds. <laughs> okay, how many, how many of those would it take you to get blacked out? Well, I'm a gulper, so... <laughs> I drink very quickly. The gulper could also be translated into the word alcoholic, perhaps. I try to make it sound a bit more approachable by saying I was a gulper. I drank quickly. But yeah, actually, I think it has other connotations. I was always drinking to get pissed again. That could have uh, another meaning. The more I drank, the more I wanted. That was my problem. So binge drinking habit meant that if I went out, it was always going to be big and it always ended in a blackout. I didn't really see the point in having a few drinks. I just always wanted to get to the point where I couldn't remember anything, probably because I thought that's how I was meant to drink. I just thought that's how everybody drank. And I was generally in a blackout from 9pm, probably three times a week during my college days, university days and travelling days. It was just how I drank was to that point. Unusual goal to set out to get to the point where I can't remember anything. Well, Because for me, that was like, that was, yeah, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to feel. That, that was a successful night. If I hadn't got to that point, there, it, I might have run out of money or, or the bar had run dry. <laughs> they were the only two reasons I ever went home. So let's start with the reasons why people drink to blackout. People unlike me, hopefully, (laughs) more the general public than than the heavy boozer. What do you think, Hamish? Okay, so the first point I wanted to make was maybe that it's out of curiosity over what it feels like to be very intoxicated. Take something to the extreme. I think that's all right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then you know and you should know better. But then you know and go, (laughs) oh, God, that was awful. I can't remember anything. I'm going to go home and live my life and be alcohol-free from now on. But Of course, that doesn't happen, does it? There's a belief as well with drinking that it's going to result in you feeling good and you think that in a blackout you're feeling good, whereas you're not. You're just Mm. totally unconscious. So there's kind of this lie that actually drinking to that point is good, but of course it's not. Yeah, unless you're having a really tough time in life and that's the goal, is the blackout is a better place for you to be than to deal with real life. Of course, that's the escape of, yeah, the spiral down into alcoholism is, is that because you're escaping your real life. Yeah. Some people like to drink to blackout in order to reduce stress. So I guess that could feed into that. Yeah, and to feel older. To fit in. Everyone else is doing it, so I guess I should. For confidence issues, like we spoke about before, like teenage teenage boys and girls trying to trying to get it on. Yeah. Um, lots of us don't know our limits, even though you've reached the blackout many times from drinking this many drinks every time, but you still don't really understand when one is too many. Can't stop once you start. Uh, If you're addicted, you've got addiction issues. Blocking out trauma, like we said. Or the normalisation of this behaviour. If everyone's doing shots, then I guess I should do shots like I was at the trebles bars. And you think that's normal. 
Uh, why did you drink to blackout, though, Vic? You know, are there any times that you've woken up from a blackout and wondered what the hell happened? I mean, it happened all the time. I can't even pinpoint five separate stories. Just <laughs> basically my life is one giant blackout. But one of the ones that came to mind when I did think about this was a more recent one was the first night I went out with my husband on a date. We went out drinking. I'd I'd met him at university when we were 17 and we didn't see each other for 17 years. And the first night we went out was in Sydney. We went to a Shaggy concert. And Amazing. we ended up in this, yeah, it was brilliant. It was it was Shaggy and Ziggy Marley or something. Anyway, we ended up in this reggae bar afterwards in Enmore. And I remember we were doing shorts and we'd had a bit of a snog and it was all quite nice and we were having a lovely time. But then I sort of slipped into a blackout. Mm. And when I came to, I was in the back of a limo. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, why am I in a limo? And then this big raster jumped in the front, this brilliant looking guy with all his dreads in a hat piled yes. up on top of his head. And he turned around to us and said, where are you two going? I'm the ambassador of Jamaica. I'll take you wherever you want. <laughs> What? And we got a lift home from the nightclub with the ambassador of Jamaica. Yeah, had a lovely chat with him, <laughs> listened to Bob Marley all the way home. <laughs> on a first date. Yeah, on a first date we got. It was in How? it was in my wedding speech, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of came to out of a blackout with the ambassador of Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really random, but I always remember that. And then he dropped us off and we said, thanks, ambassador of Jamaica, we're going home now. Well, we actually went on to another pub and then I don't remember anything else about the night at all. <laughs> so a very romantic evening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were so many times, Hamish, where, you know, one, I drank a bottle of Jack Daniels at the end of a party because mm. there was nothing else to do because everyone had gone home and I woke up on the couch of my friend's neighbour <laughs> who I'd never met before and they'd had to let me in because I'd been banging down doors <gasps> and I just had to wake up and apologise. I didn't know who they were. I sort of had to like you know sneak out of their front door. Well, was, did you apologise or did you sneak I, out? Well, I snuck out and then I got my friend to apologise. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I see through this bullshit story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I wheel spun out of the driveway. <laughs> See you later. I once came to out of a blackout as somebody had uh, poured a bucket of water over my head from an apartment above me <sighs> that I'd been trying to get into. And, and the next day I saw someone and they said, I saw you down Brighton Seafront yesterday. You were soaking wet and dressed as a Viking. <laughs> I was like, what? Why was that? And then I had a kind of flashback of me in one of those big sort of helmets with horns coming out of the side, standing soaking wet by a side of a road on my own. <laughs> Seems person's... to be a bit of a theme of you getting into a blackout and trying to break into people's homes. Yeah, I think it is. I was just looking for the party. I think that's what it was. If I heard music, I was like, oi, let me in. <laughs> I once came to in a water fountain looking at a fish, a bit like the guy with the lobsters. Yeah. Um, were you the guy? Were you the guy in the tank? I wasn't. Have you I changed wasn't. the name to Dave, and this <laughs> is actually your story. I was lobster man <laughs> for a day. Yeah, a friend of mine woke up in the bucket of a digger one morning. <laughs> Lots of terrible stories about waking up in weird places. That happened all the time. My sister told me another story once of a guy that went to a party in Liverpool and when he woke up, he opened the curtains and he was staring at the Empire State Building. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that can happen in these drinking stupors, isn't it? Oh. You don't know what you're doing and it can go on for hours. That's the scariness of a blackout, hey, Hamish? That is that takes the biscuit. That's I know. unbelievable. It's true. Things like that happen. What about you? Well, that party one of looking looking for a party has reminded me of one 
where I had a night out. I was living in Sydney. And in London, I was a children's party entertainer, right? Doesn't surprise me. (laughs) So I had a bag full of tricks. And when I moved here, I didn't have a job. I bought most of the equipment that you need to do children's parties, which is a tug of war rope, a colourful parachute, you know, little bits of sweets and all that sort of stuff. And I had a big night out and I came back and my housemates heard me come in and then they didn't hear the door closed. Yeah. And they went looking for me. And it turns out I'd come in picked up my children's party stuff, gone to the neighbour's house for having a garden party and they looked over the fence. I was there hosting a children's party <laughs> for the neighbours. In a blackout? Yeah, I had, I had the parachute out. I was giving them, make, giving them team names. Oh, God. You couldn't remember it the No, night. I don't remember that, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, the party oh. continued. Yeah, I had a blackout party recently. So all the boys in this friendship group had mm. a party and all the girls did one. The girls wanted like a beautiful party. Everyone brought a plate of food. Mm. There was fruit in the fridge. Like they had, a, they made cocktails, but it was quite a classy party. Yeah. The boys, the only food in the fridge was one stick of celery. The whole fridge was booze. Yeah. And, and it was drinking games. Yeah. And when the girls arrived at the boys' house, because everyone's partners were there, they walked in through the door. I was butt naked, the only naked person at the party, <laughs> playing pool and riding a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> And then they renamed me Diego. So Diego was my um, was my alter ego in that circle of friends. I'm I'm Diego. Oh my so, god! So yeah, and yeah, everyone. Oh yeah. And you have no recollection of where you got the bike I, from or anything. The bike was in the corridor because in the end, there's a video of me dancing down the corridor, spotting the bike, dancing away from the bike, and then you can see my thought process. Hang on, bike. That'd be funny. I should get <laughs> on that bike. Naked. Get on the bike. Pool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the bike was somebody's. <laughs> Right. Um, so that was that wasn't great. I so hope that's... you wiped the seat afterwards. Yeah. Funny enough, when I when I told that group of friends I was going sober, they're like, "Will we still get to know Diego?" <laughs> <laughs> the trick is going to be discovering Diego sober. That's that's totally. my challenge. I hate oh. to break the news to you. I think Diego might be something that is in your past. <laughs> you reckon Diego's <laughs> yes, gone? Yeah. Oh, I... On a holiday, I got a henna tattoo on my forehead. Four letter word. Mm. Uh, not rhyming with puck, it rhymes with punt. Ah, oh, you got a henna <laughs> tattoo on your forehead yes. of a word that rhymes with punt. Yes, and it was the last day of the holiday. And I came back overnight oh, and I was working the next day. So it was a Monday and I worked in a really posh cigar shop on German Street opposite the Ritz called Davidoff. <laughs> and, and they and henna lasts quite a long time. Quite a long time. So what I did is I put a big elastoplast on my forehead yeah. and I said I'd injured it sailing. <laughs> so for a week I wore this huge plaster on my forehead to cover up this punt oh, tattoo. Have you got a picture of that? Yes. I need to I'll see find that, it. I'll please. scroll right back on my Facebook and I'll find that for you. We can post that. I, um, I once on. woke up with something written on my forehead and I was like, what's Bonnock? I couldn't understand. I was looking in the mirror, but of course I, when I, I realised it was backwards, it was knob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is I left my phone and wallet on top of a car yeah. and drove home. And then we realised when I got home that I'd lost both, right? So I'm livid. And Liz said, hey, you're in a bad mood. You go to Vodafone and cancel your phone. Mm. I'll go to the fancy supermarket and get us nice food for dinner. So we did that. And I'm walking back up the hill from Vodafone. Liz goes, I've got a better idea. There's a Mexican place here. We're going to have a taco each on the way home. Mm. Tacos are happy food. It will cheer you up. Yeah. So we go in there, have a taco. Happy hour margaritas. Oh. We had three margaritas each. Then we had a bottle of wine. Lethal. And we were partying. There was a, a tour bus of guys turned up and like 40 of them got out partying on the street. There was live music. And anyway, we got home that night. I remember throwing up at home. And in the morning, Liz 
Liz hobbled around the corner. I was lying on the couch and she'd broken her foot. We've got no memory of how she broke her foot. And she said, hey, where's my phone and wallet? Oh, she'd lost them all. No, I'd put her phone and wallet with the supermarket bags into the fridge freezer. Oh. <laughs> her handbag was in there. But yeah, she broke her foot. No, no recollection. No how, idea how she no, did it. No, neither of us have got any. Oh, we clue. might need to get Liz on with a few blackout yeah. stories, might oh, we? Oh yeah. Oh no, she'd be the, be the end of the end of her relationship with my parents. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's not. She's never blacked out ever. <laughs> no, she is. She is the Virgin Mary. God, they're so interesting. We actually put it on cuppa for people to write in and give us some of their blackout stories. There was a great response. Thanks, everybody. There were so many. I can't even read them out. Hamish, start with the first yeah, one. Few of the highlights. So someone got in touch who had looked at their maps the next morning and realised they'd walked miles when they got lost on their own. That's awful, isn't it? It's quite scary. <laughs> bad. There was one lady who went missing and her family contacted the police. Oh, God. Somebody blacked out in a Sainsbury's car park. Mm, we've all done that, haven't we? <laughs> Aldi. <laughs> Aldi, yeah. yeah. A lady woke up at the wheel of her car, came to as the police were stopping her. Oh, no. Yeah, was she got, driving? Yeah, yeah she was driving. She oh, got a DUI, yeah. That is not good. Not good. Um, there was a woman whose daughter... This is quite good. There was a woman whose daughter asked her for advice, but she was in the middle of a blackout, so now she has no idea what advice she gave to her daughter. Um, it was a bonding moment that she feels might have melted into the abyss. Yeah. She might have said anything. I mean, we miss out on so much, like because you look like you're okay, but you're not. So people mm. will still talk to you in a way that they think you're there, but you're not. You're gone completely, yeah. aren't you? You can sniff out the precariousness in all these stories, when you're in a blackout, even though to others you might seem quite together, the lights are on but no one's home, which leads to bad judgment and really risky behaviour. There are so many reasons blackouts are hazardous. Binge drinking to the point of blackout causes a Thai whiskey bucket full of issues. So what's the first one we got here? You're gambling with your life in a blackout, Hamish, is what we're mm. trying to say here. Blackouts can even lead to more serious issue with booze because you need more to get you to that same level of intoxication. Like me, my drinking actually escalated yep. because I needed more to get to that point. Thus begins the lovely spiral into alcohol use disorder. Oh, gosh. I don't think everyone's ever called it a lovely spiral. <laughs> this, is a, this is a first. You can lose the use of your gag reflex in a blackout, and that can lead to you choking on your vomit. Yeah, I know we laugh a lot in this podcast, but we really also like to drum into you the dangers of what we're doing yeah. on a weekendly basis. Yeah, that is scary. And I know two people in my life who have passed away in that manner. Wow. Yeah. Friends of friends, not close friends, but it does happen. People do choke on everyone. It's frightening. Yeah. So blackouts put you at more risk of chronic diseases, you know, stroke, heart disease, liver disease, certain cancers, high blood pressure and the body pox. Not that again. The STDs. You know, I love to talk about the body pox. Yes, your favourite STD. Not many people have got a favourite. <laughs> oh, I love my, I love that one. <laughs> uh, alcohol poisoning. You can get your stomach pumped. It's very 90s. Alcohol pops. It can the risk of injury or death in an accident. Falling down stairs is obviously a very common one in blackouts. Yeah, so alcohol poisoning is so dangerous. There's another thing that comes along with over-drinking, which can be violence, um, not to yourself, but to others. People act out, changes in personality. Some people drink so much that you literally don't know what you're doing and you act like someone else. You can act in an aggressive way, which isn't part of your personality. So it's quite frightening. Diego. Diego <laughs> comes out again. Memory and learning issues and those last forever. Yeah. 
you're doing damage there, risking the life of others, drink driving, domestic violence, leaving the oven on, leaving burning cigarettes in an ashtray, things you normally wouldn't do. So generally, you're not as aware of what you're doing as you would be, of course, if you were sober. So when looking into this, Hamish, I also found that women are more at risk of blackouts than men. The primary reason being their body composition and difference in hormone levels. Since women get drunk on less alcohol, their blood alcohol level rises quickly. Hence, they are more likely to experience a blackout. That's why when you see footage of nights out in Liverpool on that programme, Ambulance or Paramedics, I love those shows. (laughs) There's usually a lot more women puking down alleyways and being treated by the ambulance people than men. Women get pissed easier. Simple as that. I am not so sure about that. I am as much for lightweight as most women that I know. Okay, women get pissed the same as Hamish. That's what it basically works out. Yeah. So if you're blacking out more than once a year or, you know, even more than once every five years, it means your drinking needs attention and your life could actually be at risk. I know from experience that drinking to this point doesn't feel good. It just led me to drink more, to block out the shame from what I'd done. It was easier to keep drinking than consider if what I was doing was okay. I'm a classic case of that. Yeah, I'm sure everyone can relate to that as well. Looking back, I wonder if we would have listened if someone had told us the damage we were doing, would we have taken notice? I hope so, but I guess this highlights the problem with the normalised binge drinking culture in our society. It's that kind of, look, everyone's doing it, so I may as well too. Mm. I guess it's okay when you're in that situation, but when you really focus in on it, it's actually so risky. It's a really fucked up thing to do to yourself. How do you feel after blacking out, Hamish? I mean, I guess, obviously, hungover is the first reaction, but more relief is what I would feel. Mainly that, you know, I can wiggle my toes and move my arms and I'm not... you still got ten I'm, fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had not. to wake up with nine once, so you can imagine the shame there. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the relief that at least physically I'm all right. There's then the slight fear of what have I done or said that does come creeping in. Oh, that and feeling is the worst. So I guess I always regretted it, but never enough to never drink again. It okay. never hit home so hard that like, right, that's it. I'm sober from tomorrow onwards. What about you? How did you feel after a blackout? I used to feel very, very embarrassed after I blackout. I mean, I would dread those cringy stories from mates. I remember my ears used to go hot with embarrassment, the mm. flush, as I had my roast dinner on a Sunday and my mates would recall all these awful stories. You know, I laughed along with them, but it's very frightening when you're listening to people telling you about yourself, but you don't know who you are in that moment. Like, I couldn't remember anything. There'd be five hours a night when I wouldn't remember and they'd say, you were doing this, you were smashing mm. pint glasses, you'd climbed up onto the roof, you'd done all this I'm just sit, literally sitting there aghast at what they're saying because I don't know that person and actually that person wasn't who I am Did you feel different getting drunk 20 years ago before there were so many phones and footage of a night out than you did recently? Well, I think recently I was getting more aware of my drinking by the time phones and everything were mm. about I tend to not get drunk in that way where there were other people. I wasn't really Mm -hmm. clubbing. I'd already had kids and I wasn't in that sort of environment where people would have taken photos. It would have been weird if somebody had sent me something like that. But back in those days, I guess you were a bit more free because you just could basically get away with it a lot more. Yeah, it's just a stranger telling you that like a dick. Yeah, and you know it's not going to turn up on the internet the next Mm -hmm. day. Like You could do whatever you wanted. I mean, we were crazy back in those days. I'm sure it's similar now, but there's going to be even more fear with a hangover now because you know that someone's got the footage of it, which would be awful. So the fear of the unknown caused anxiety for me. So that blackout period, that that time when I couldn't remember anything, 
that was when I woke up the next day and thought, oh my God, what was I doing? And for me, that caused anxiety. Mm. And as you know, Hamish, my anxiety is actually what led me to be sober. So what we're saying is, yeah, it's bad being in a blackout and it's bad getting hangovers and having anxiety. But all of these things are actually going to lead you into a happier and more healthy lifestyle. So they're not always bad. They're often part of the journey. And and I'm glad that I went through all of this stuff Mm. because it means I had to address this issue. And also, same as you, every morning I woke up and I was surprised that I survived. You know, I sometimes couldn't believe that I was still in one piece. Sometimes on the new year of the millennium, I was not in one piece, but I was alive, which is incredible. (laughs) And I used the fact often that everybody else did it that made it okay. So that's really common. In one podcast with Lucy Hamish, we mentioned a book quote that she said that was this brilliant explanation of hangovers when the thoughts start to appear before you. You're sort of sitting on the toilet or retching into a bin or whatever you're doing on a Sunday morning. And then suddenly you remember snippets of the night and it's like, bodies, bloated bodies floating to the surface of a lake. God. Yeah. But you can feel it, can't you? You can feel like the misery in it as one pops up and you remember that and, oh, God, I was doing that on the dance floor and, you know, all of these horrible feelings coming to the surface. So, yeah, they were all horrible feelings after being blacked out. Mm. But those feelings led me to who I am now. Interesting. So I'm not, I haven't got any shame over them now. They are part of my story. Our sage advice would be to never get pissed to the point of blackout. It messes with your brain and the implications can be life-changing. So if you're someone that can't stop at one, we recommend don't start at all. Don't pick up that first drink. We promise you'll be much happier and much safer if you don't. As they say in AA, it's that first drink that does the damage. Yes, sobriety is about liking yourself enough not to drink. Putting yourself in danger means you are being hostile to your own body. Start respecting yourself. Look inwards and try to unravel your relationship with alcohol so you can live a longer, healthier life, free from shame and free from stomach-pumping devices and lobster tanks. Oh, yes. (laughs) I won't be going in those lobster tanks again. I knew it was you. I wonder what they actually do, Hamish, when they pump your stomach. I mean, I don't think I ever had my my pump stumped. (laughs) My stomach pumped. Do they put a toilet plunger in your bottom or something like that? Sounds painful, but... A little bit arousing. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> it is quite arousing, actually. I have had it done. <laughs> I'm asking them, can you stop? I don't drink. Will you mind pumping my stomach? Yeah, I'm knocking on knocking on the door of the hospital. Excuse me, I, have not, I haven't had anything to drink, kind sir, but I, I think my body needs pumping. <laughs> not her again. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> body pump, body pump. <laughs> So we wanted to finish with a quote today, but really difficult to find any quotes about a night out that are involving blackouts because no one can remember them. That is so so true, yeah. I mean, there are no quotes. I searched high and low to find something inspiring for us to finish the podcast off, but body pumping is going to have to do. (laughs) We just wanted to mention our email address because we forgot to mention it earlier, which is vicandhamish at soberawkward.com. If you have any questions or you want to ask us anything, just email us there. Before we go today, Vic, I do want to give you a gift. Oh, I like Because gifts. you had an operation this week oh, and it was yes. a bit of a tough week. It was a tough week. And you week. couldn't come dancing with me. Yeah. So this is from Liz and I and Sunny. Oh, you are so sweet. It's in a David Jones bag everywhere. It's posh. It is posh. Is it posh, is it? Yeah, and I wrapped oh, it's it. It's nicely wrapped. It's got rainbow wrapping paper. You know I love rainbows. Yeah. Anything with a rainbow on. Oh, giftoids. Gift oh, toys. <laughs> oh, the gift of toys. Oh, look at posh box, everybody. Carton, right. England butler. Oh, 
It's teas, everybody. <laughs> it's mixed posh teas <laughs> with English breakfast with butter oat crumb biscuits. <gasps> Butter fudge. Oh, anything with the word butter and fudge <laughs> is right up my I mean, street. Yeah. I think they're English. I think it's an English brand. Triple I chocolate chunk biscuits. Yeah. Oh my god, you know what I'm doing tonight, don't you? Big big tea and, <laughs> tea and biscuit party. <laughs> You're gonna say something else then. But yes, I'm having a big tea and biscuit party on my own in the bath. Yeah, these are the posh teas. Don't share these around. Oh thank you, Hamish. You didn't need to do that. That's very yeah, kind of you. Not How at sweet. All. It was a bit of a tough week. I had to go to hospital and get part of my body removed. Yeah, your penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the real, that's the truth about it. I had a correctional surgery, yeah. No, I had my gallbladder out. I don't know whether it's a drinking, a leftover sort of thing from drinking because due to general um, bad health, you can have gallbladder problems. I wonder if it is due to 25 years of binge drinking and going into blackouts, but I'll never know. So mm. let's just pretend it's not. And if you're wondering <laughs> what I was thinking, which was, did they show it to you after they removed it? No. They didn't. They didn't. I remember my nan used to have a little jar with her gallstones in it. What? She used to shake them around in a jar. All right, dear. And she used to have, it's my gallstones. Wow. Show them to us, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get them, unfortunately. That's my present <laughs> for you next week. Who inherited <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bring them in next week, don't worry. <laughs> Let's go and grab Alan and get him to get his stomach pumped. Oh, yes, I'm sure he'd be up for that. Alan, <laughs> we're taking you to hospital. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling. Contact a local doctor. Find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Amish. Bloody hell. How do they share it?